Black Excellence is Global. Welcome to Mastermind, the show where you learn to develop and master your skills from the best of the best. Yes, your host, Mr. G. Welcome to the program. Thank you for joining us today on the journey towards self mastery. Our next guest today hails from South Africa. She's the voice that you hear in the intro of the program and a mastermind collaborator. She's a professional model who's modeled for Clavon Leonard, 2020 Designer of the Year, and David Clawley, one of South Africa's top fashion designers. She's also been part of Africa's biggest show, African Fashion International, and has had a cameo role in a local TV show in South Africa. She's done all this with no former training, just a strong belief in self. Let's welcome today, Constance Saul to the program. Constance, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for, for this. Um, yeah, for inviting me. The intro, though, it's, it's good. <laughs> Well-deserved, man. Well-deserved. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. So we're yeah. finally doing this. Yes, after over a year, man, um, a lot of people don't know, man, but you were part of the beginnings of Mastermind, you know, looking for a voice and, um, you know, getting the right intro and everything. And um, shout out to King Kale, you know, for putting me on. Um, and when I asked him, like, yo, do you know anybody that could, like, do an intro voice? You know, he sent he sent me, you know, some of your work and And here we are, man. Um, many collaborations later. <laughs> yes, sir. I mean... You know, like I like the behind the scene kind of work as much as I'm a model, but I like, you know, being behind the scene. Mm. And yeah. Yeah, man. So, so as I've said, you are a collaborator. It's not just a voice, but you've also assisted in like social media um, work because I knew nothing about social media started mastermind. I'm like, yo, I just have a Facebook account. Like <laughs> that's pretty much it. You know, my students like yo, only old people have like Facebook accounts. Like, you know, you need to get Instagram and Snapchat and all these type of things. But I had no idea how to even maneuver through that, man. So um, thank you for assisting me with that, that no the whole problem. social media phase. Um, so, yeah, man, uh, let's get I started. See, I see. I see you are doing the most on, on, on Instagram. So well done. I am learning, man. I am learning. Uh, knew nothing. About, didn't even have an Instagram account before Mastermind, but here we are. Yeah. Um, Constance helped me out, taught me how to use it, and um, here we are later. We just need to do TikTok now. TikTok, TikTok, TikTok. I thought about TikTok. I'm like, ah, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> I get comfortable with like one thing. I get comfortable with one thing, but I know like people like, on so many different platforms. So we definitely got to tackle, you know, different things, TikTok, YouTube, um, all in the future, you know, but um, to be, to be continued, to be continued. <laughs> um, yes, <sir. laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. So this is all about you, man. Um, and before we get started, uh, we have not had anyone from South Africa on the program yet. So you are numero uno. Um, and uh, I know like, uh, you know, Westerners, even like black folks, you know, in the States and elsewhere have this idea of what Africa within itself is. And then, you know, even a place like what South Africa, like what 
what it is you know what i mean without really knowing knowing but just thinking because they hear things and they've seen movies or whatever it is like this is exactly what it is to be in south africa like you know that whole like jungle theme and you know lions and tigers and you know <laughs> being in an open space and things like that so um can you paint a picture for us of like exactly the, the realistic understanding of what south africa is like for you and um you know for those that just don't know uh, that have never been to uh, africa or south africa um as you said africa has been painted as um more like a jungle where in actual fact um we are like Africa is a continent where South Africa is part of that continent. Um, so South Africa is a country um, where there is, um, is it 60 million people? <laughs> yes, we, we are quite a lot and we have um, different um, diversity, different cultures. Um, we have like in South Africa alone, we have nine provinces. Um, and which Johannesburg, which is mostly known to the world, is um, the biggest city um, in Africa. Basically, Johannesburg is the center of, um, you know, all the other countries connecting um, to, to the continent, basically. Mm. So, um, so, yeah, we... we there's no lions walking down the street. Right. <laughs> um, I think um, because of us in South Africa, we have we think that everyone outside of Africa know what's going on because of um, TV, television. But clearly, that's not because from engaging with um, a lot of um, non-South Africans or non-Africans on, on social media platforms, you can see how people interact with um, someone that is from South Africa or from Africa. They think that we are, um, yes, we are a third world country, but we are not, um, you know, in a space where we don't, we, we are as much, you know, um, like, other countries. It's just that there is this notion that Africa is, you know, just a jungle where we don't live in cities, but we do have, you know, we we, we live in cities. Mm. And then at the same time, too, like there are, like, as far as I know, like, I know it's a little bit of mixed uh, as well, like the old school people in South Africa, like they want to maintain the culture and still live is it is it huts um that they that they um still maintain and live in like the people that want to maintain part, yes parts of the of the country there is um um the, the 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 old people that still maintain because we don't want to remove our our culture by um westernizing everything mm. so um, the old people still believe in, you know, um, having 
they will have a big house, but in the back of the yard, there will also be a hut, um, which because of Africa is such, when it's, when it's summer, it's very, very hot. Mm-hmm. And those huts come in very, very handy because during summer, it's very cool. Mm. So you can actually chill inside and you don't have to be, you know, it's, it's, it's going to take years for us to really just to, to get rid of that, um, you know, those cultures. But also, like I said, we don't want to, um, some cultures don't want to get rid of who they are because those um, huts and the environments that we live in is who makes, it's what make us black people. Mm. Um, so yeah. So yeah, mm-hmm. yes. So it's it's the traditions and the cultures. Um, we we getting to Heritage Day, where you will see the different diversities within um, South Africa. That's what we celebrate on Heritage Day. We celebrate our our cultures, our diversity, our traditions. Um, that like varies from the way we dress um the way we, uh, the food that we eat the mm-hmm. way the way we dance it's apart from the western lifestyle that we see everywhere but we still hold on to the little that is left when it comes to our heritage as africans mm. that is interesting um so heritage history is like a it's a big like festival type of thing that that that's done. It's we 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 basically have a whole day. We have a holiday ah. where we celebrate. So September is a heritage month where we celebrate all the cultures, all the traditions. Yeah. So basically, that's it. Got it. Got it. I got. I got to check that out. I didn't know about that. Um, another. Uh, aspect of South Africa too is the languages like uh how many languages and then um like how many languages do you think a typical South African speaks and would would need to know like we have 11 languages um first of all we have nine provinces so in those nine provinces we have um it's it's different areas of South Africa you find the Kosa, the Zulu the 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 northern Sutu um, the Venda, um, 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 race, is it race? No, no, it's not race. <laughs> Cultures. Um, and the languages we speak, um, an average South African um, will speak more than two languages. Obviously, um, Afrikaans being the one that has automatically made its way. Um, to us and English being the the medium but other than Afrikaans and English we have you'll find someone will speak more than two languages which is their mother tongue and another person's language mm. so someone can go up to speaking all 11 all 11 languages wow um, but so there are people walking around that, in South Africa that speak 11 languages yeah. Wow. I struggle with like two. <laughs> it, it, I think 
for, for South Africa, it's better because I think um, there's other African countries that has more than, I think, is it Ghana? I'm not, I'm not sure is it Ghana or Congo where they have more than 11 languages. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So um, it's, but just being in South Africa, it's, it's apart from knowing the languages, it's understanding the cultures, understanding um, the, 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 the diversity amongst each other. Mm. Because we are all Black people, but we have different cultures. We have different um, traditions. So, mm-hmm. and language is one of the, 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 the diversities that we learn amongst each other. But there is the way we dress. Like, for example, um, Kosa people dress differently from Zulu people when it comes to their culture. Mm. Um, I mean, we've seen um, Miss Universe. Miss Universe was dressed um, in a closer outfit. Um, it's it, yes, um, the dress is made from um, the 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 closer um, um, the closer tradition. Mm-hmm. Yes, where Zulus will be different, Ndebele will be different, Venda will be different. So that's what's making South Africa so, you know, so unique and so different, you know? Mm. Yeah. That is interesting, man. That is interesting. And how many languages does Constance speak? Uh, <laughs> I can speak, um, what I speak fluent, I speak three languages fluently, obviously it's Afrikaans and English and Sitwana. And um, I had to learn Zulu, I had to learn um, Sepedi because of um, the people that I work with. So I'm still learning other languages, um, mm. but it's more like the people that I'm engaging with a lot um, is, is um, you know, Tswana, Zulu, and Sepedi, um, Sepedi. So, yeah. We've got, got beautiful languages. Beautiful languages. Got it, got it. We might put you on the spot later on to close out <laughs> with something in one of those languages, man. Um, <laughs> but before we get to that, um, I kind of wanted yeah. to tackle, you know, who you are before we get into the modeling, like um, just your your story, man. Like you coming of age, you coming to be who you are right now, like how it transgressed from your youth. So um can you share with us? Actually, you know what? Before we even get to that, we got to tackle your name, man. Um, Constance, uh, unique name. Um, so how did you get that name and what does it mean? Um, Constance comes from, um, actually, it was, it was a debate between my mom and my aunt, my late aunt, um, and my late aunt gave me the name Constance when my mom gave me the name Esther. Mm. Um, So my official name is Esther and Constance just happened to be the name that I grew up with. Um, So from my own research and from my own, um, you know, my life experience, 
um, according to to the dictionary, conscience means steadfast, um, of which is when I look at my life and I look at the person that I am, um, it actually it 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 really describe who I am. Um, so that's what constance means. Um, apart from the fact that there was the whole squabble, how I got the name, but yeah. And Esther is more from the Bible, you know that story. And also looking at Esther's life in the Bible, um, basically, I can see my life. You know, the way it turns out is that that's how my my name came about. Um, so it's it's you always say that a name says it, it's got a lot of meaning, even mm -hmm. though we take it lightly. So um, so yeah, that's what how they came up with constant. Interesting, it's steadfast. I think it's funny too, man. Like how names. I don't know if it's the name that matches the person or the person just meshes with the name and the meaning. And it's, it's just so interesting. Like a lot of people that, that have these names and you look at the meaning and you can match their character, their personality, who they are to the, to the meanings, which is really interesting. Um, but yeah, man. So uh, going into, you know, your childhood growing up and becoming who you are now, uh, you can start at any point you wish. Um, but can you share with us, you know, some of your experiences growing up in South Africa um, and some of the childhood experiences and trans trans transitioning uh, into, you know, adulthood and, you know, might be might be a bit heavy, but. <laughs> um, um, OK, you can, you can um, add in or leave out whatever you want, because I know everybody has um, experiences in their in their life, like early on or into recent that 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 could be heavy but um whatever it is that you want to share with us is fine yeah um constance is is a only child um um that yeah was raised by i won't say by a single mother because she was hardly around um but was raised by family members um from one household to the other household um, so she had to figure out life at a very young age. So I grew up in a very in a in in, in two households, a colored household and a a black household. So the first six years of my life, I was in a black household, um, and I was raised by my granny. And um, the second half of my life which was up until 13 years when i started school i started school um i i lived with my with my colored side of my mom's family so um she doesn't know her father um it was always something that um you know her mom didn't want to um tap on she didn't want to talk about and yeah, so she went to a colored school. Um, she moved back to, um, why am I referring to myself in the third person? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
it might be easier like that, man. I was just wondering that myself, but I don't want to be rude. But uh, it might be easier like that. Who knows? Okay. Um, okay. So I moved back to um, to my Tswana family, um, mainly because of my great grandmother was too old to look at me, to look after me, and she was. Um, Constance was more like, um, if you know the story of Cinderella um, in, in, in her childhood. Mm. And she just had to accept and be grateful for, you know, having a roof over her head. Um, she, she wished her mom was around, but she didn't have a relationship. She didn't, her mom was, my mom was a domestic worker, so she would always be um, in another city working. Um, so up until matric in matric, um, she, she, okay, I'm still going on. And matric, matric is high school, right? Yes. Matric okay. is, um, grade 12. Matric is grade 12. Um, in matric, I just felt like, you know what? I had enough of life and, um, I don't want to love to to live anymore i don't want to be in this life anymore because mm. i always used to ask myself why why did god put me on this earth to go through this like it's just suffering and it's just never stopping mm. so, and, and, and we're talking about like a lot of mistreatment from your family like um not feeling fine. like you had a family because you're going back and forth um right abuse um abuse was involved um that's why I'm saying the life of um Cinderella. Um, mm. I felt like I don't belong. And um in Senate in, in Matric, um grade 12, I attempted to take my own life and by God's grace I made it through. I don't know how I made it through, but I got a second chance in life. Um, I then, because of financial reasons, I couldn't go and study. I couldn't go and study. Um, so I had to come up with other alternatives of what am I going to do with my life after grade 12. Mm. So great. I finished grade 12 in 1998 and, um, stayed at home 1999. And in the year 2000, I moved to Johannesburg. Um, like I said earlier on, in South Africa, we have nine provinces. So Johannesburg falls part of Gauteng province. So I moved to Gauteng province and I started looking for work, of which I didn't know how am I, how I'm going to do that. But I managed to... I managed to find work. I started off as a as a, as a waitress, a promotion girl, and I became a security officer until I got an opportunity to be a a stock clerk at a sales clerk, telesales clerk at one of South Africa's biggest companies, um, South African breweries, and that's where my my work life um started mm. so so yeah that's um i had to basically you know 
when I moved to Gauteng, I had to stay with, with friends and do their chores for them. I was like, like a maid mm. um, because I couldn't pay for my place to stay. So I had to, I had to work in order to, to have food on the table. I had to work in order to, um, to, to, to have a roof over my head. So until um, I found my own job and I managed to, to pay for my own place to stay. So that um, let me, you know, I had a baby at the age of 21, um, but I was working, but still I had to take care I had to take care of my baby by myself. Um, things didn't work out with her dad. And um, two years later, I found um, my second, um, my ex-husband. So I was married. Um, being married um, came with a lot of responsibilities. And my childhood, basically, he, I had a lot of, um, low self-esteem because of the way I grew up. I mm. had a lack of confidence. Um, I didn't believe in myself. So um, when I met my um, my first um, partner, um, it wasn't like it was also. I fell for the bad the bad boys. Mm. Um, I fell for the bad boys because of. Um, my low self-esteem, my mm -hmm. lack of confidence. Um, so um, when I filed for, when, when I got together with my, with my ex-husband, um, the same habits continued where I was abused, where I had to, you know, belittle myself, where I had to be submissive, where I had to, so up until, um, I had a baby, my second, my second child, and after that, um, in 2014, I decided to to leave because I couldn't go through the the abuse um, mm. emotionally, and mentally, and physically. So mm. yes. So and um, when you left, was it just like did you like leave, like did you sneak? Like, did you leave, like, in a way that he didn't know? Because I'm thinking, like, with the abuse, like, when you leave in an abusive relationship, that's one of, like, the most dangerous points in that relationship because you don't know what that partner who's been physically, like you just said, abusive in the past is going to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. So how did you go about leaving? I, okay, before I left the first time, um, I probably left three times before. Mm. And it would always be like, I'm sorry, we'll make it work. I'm sorry, we'll make it work. And then I'll go back. So the time that I finally left, I literally just put clothes in my bag, in my car, and I left without saying where I'm going. And I moved so far away so that he shouldn't follow me, so that he shouldn't look for me. I switched off my phone. Yes, I left him with my kids because I didn't want to drag the kids. Um, out of school, I didn't want the kids to feel 
because I trusted that he would be good as much as he was bad to me, but I believe that he was a good father. Um, and you only realize when, when you are not, um, you know, giving someone what they used to get from you in actual fact, how bad they can be towards you. So um, I switched off my phone for the whole weekend so that he can't get hold of me. Um, I moved to my friend's place and yeah, that was basically, that was basically it. Um, and the divorce was a mess. It was a messy divorce. Um, and because of my, my, my low self-esteem and, and, and lack of confidence in myself, I think that if I've moved out closer to where he stayed, I would have probably went back again because of the, the begging and I will change and all of that. So I had to sneak out and um, move as far as possible because of I I didn't know what what he would do. Mm. So so yes, that was 2014. And 2014, 2015, 2016, that's when I was busy with the custody and um going up and down to court. Um and that's when the divorce took place. Um and that's when I realized I needed to do something um, that I can start feeling myself again. And that's how I went into the modeling. Mm. So that's how I started doing modeling. And doing modeling, it just it was a hobby for me. It wasn't something that I thought it would be um, something that I would do full time. Right. Um, because of also, I was, when I started, I was 36 years old. So um, starting modeling at a very young age, at a very old age, um, basically, you don't really, um, you are not really recognized because you, the, the, the stigma within the industry is that you are not young, you are not, um, you don't have a specific Facial structure that fits the industry. Mm. So the younger you are, the better chance you stand to become a big deal. Mm-hmm. So I did it for. I, I started as a hobby. I didn't um, think that it will even, you know, blow up the way it blew up. Mm. So that's when the modeling started. But apart from that, um, when I was young, I was also at school, I was participating in beauty pageants. So when I participated in beauty pageants, it wasn't like, I knew that I was doing good in them, but it was more for the, the price because the, 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 the prices is, as a beauty, um, beauty queen at the time, mm-hmm. it was money. So for right. me, um, that's what I needed because I didn't have, financial support so it was it was a good thing for me to you know the price money was good for me because I could buy clothes I could do things for myself 
So I didn't look at it as a form of, you know what, yes, um, 1999, I participated in the South Africa regional competition of which um, I didn't make it. I was in the top five of the Northern Cape, but that for me wasn't like breaking me in terms of, um, I will, for me it was, okay, I'm doing this now and yes, I'm done. Mm-hmm. I didn't make it. Now I need to move on to the next thing mm-hmm. or finding a job. So that's why in 2000, I moved to Houting so I can start looking for a job so that I can start taking care of myself. So, yeah. So I got into um, finding a job without any experience and everything that I know now, mm-hmm. I've learned on the job. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, I started studying, but I started studying um, online correspondence. Um, with um, University of South Africa. So I've never set foot in a, in a lecture room. Um, and yeah, I am right now. That's up until, I'm not sure, have I, have I answered? <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, you're, you're sharing your story, like your story is your story. <laughs> okay, so. So yeah, that's, um, so in 2016, that's when the modeling started and um, that's how it progressed into um, the way it progressed for me to be um, working with brands that I never thought I'll ever be working with. Mm. Yes, I still have my eyes on a few other brands, but this for me to be where I am in the modeling industry, it's not something that I planned or foresee. Um, and I'm grateful for that. Right. And um, I think when a lot of people listen to, uh, especially your story, and then some of the preconceptions about modeling within itself, um, mm-hmm. you know, like that is, you know, superficial and, um, you know, models themselves, they don't have high self-esteem and that they mm-hmm. seek validation. And I think listening to your story too, somebody might think, well, you know, like she's a model, but you know, I could understand her seeking validation from people and why she's doing what she is doing. Um, so for those that that I guess are thinking that, like what what um what exactly is the like what exactly did modeling do for you? And what is the reason that you know you do it? Um, and I know it's not because of validation, but um you know, so for those that, that think that that is what it is, um, what is your reasoning? What is your why behind it? First of all, like I said, I started modeling as a hobby. Mm-hmm. Um, and my, I, I, I had a lot of um, low self-esteem. Um, I had um, a low, my, my confidence levels were very, very low, mainly because of um, how I grew up. Um, um, you know, like when you come from a poor background, when you had to struggle for everything, you always think that you don't fit in certain spaces. Mm. So um, me being part of the beauty pageant was also to challenge my inner self um, that 
even though people think I'm not beautiful, but I knew that I'm beautiful. So I just had to believe it when I was still young. Um, little did I know that, you know, that will affect me. Um, it, it will affect my decisions when I grow up, um, the people that I get into contact with. So um, in my marriage, I felt that um, I was very submissive. I was very, very naive. Um, I, I blamed myself for a lot of things. Um, I didn't feel, um, I felt like the reason for certain things to happen was because of how I look, how I feel about myself. I didn't have the confidence at all. So the, the, the childhood traumas that I had, it caught up with me when I was married. And I had, I have girls, I have daughters. And for me, um, I looked myself in the mirror every day, the moment I realized that I don't want this anymore. And I would tell myself that, listen, you can do this. You are beautiful. You are strong. You, you've pulled through a lot to be, so do not let this bring you down. So when I started modeling, um, I, was, I was actually challenging myself um to deal with my fear to deal with my lack of confidence and every time i stood in front of a camera i just realized the vibrance that came out i realized that um actually i am not what i was told i am so for me it helped me learn to love myself um because at the age of 36, to learn to love myself was a lot of work. I had to, I knew what the industry is, is, is like. I knew what the expectations were. Um, I do remember somebody telling me that, um, um, what am I gonna do because the, 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 my age for, for modeling is definitely not gonna gonna cut it. And I told them that I'm not modeling for people, I'm modeling for me. Mm. Um, I, I learned to, to be confident. I learned to love myself, put myself first before everyone else. Um, how I dress, um, it's for me. So that's what modeling um, has, has, has shown me, has shown me that I am beautiful no matter what who says no matter what who thinks about me, whether somebody thinks I'm old, whether somebody thinks I'm too fat, whether somebody thinks I don't have the face for it, but I know what I think about myself is what matters most. Mm. And the, 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 the misconceptions about modeling is that um, we do it for, for, for validation. Um, we are doing, it's a job. Modeling is a job. Mm -hmm. Every job and each and every individual, we all have that need for appreciation. We all have that need for, it's not only modeling. Um, so it's when, because the, the age range for modeling is from a very young age. So if a girl goes into modeling without knowing who they are, they're going to fall for a lot of um, 
for a lot of things that happen in the industry. So it takes a lot to really understand who you are and wh why you're doing what you're doing. So mm. for me, I had to, I had to put aside everything that I was told um, and learn to love what I do for me. And what, and immediately when I see a picture, I look at it from the eyes of somebody else, not me, of what this picture, the story that it tells. So, yeah, so for me, it, it's that self-love. I had to regain it. And that's what modeling did for me. Mm. It, it made me realize um, that I'm a woman who's really, really, really strong and who is beautiful no matter who says what. Um, and loving myself, it's actually why I do what I do. Mm. Yes, sir. <laughs> that that makes a ton of sense, man. And I just, when you said that, I just remember too, like in a previous interview, you mentioned that um, there was a situation as a young girl that somebody called you beautiful and then you were with your aunt and she said, no, she's not or something like that. Right. And just yes. like you were mentioned, like with your self-esteem, I could imagine like what type of impact that would have on a young girl's self-esteem, you know, and yeah. coming up, man. So that kind of just reminded me of that. Um, and we have talked about, you know, we, we use the term beautiful quite a bit the past, you know, couple of minutes. So I really did want to identify exactly what it is for you and what it means to you, because I think um, beauty, um, I don't know if it's because of a societal norms or just internally in women, beauty mm -hmm. in women. And if they see themselves as beautiful, is extremely connected to their self-esteem and their sense mm -hmm. of self-worth and value and everything. And I think that, um, uh, a realistic definition of it is super important um, because of that. And I think that sometimes when we look at it, you know, when I look at other girls, especially black girls, like the, the, uh, the definition of what they think beauty is, is completely opposite of what it really is. So um, how would you define beauty um, within yourself? And um, how do you think about it? And I think it's important too, for, you know, young girls listening that, that, have you know this sense of what beauty is and try to match it um and a lot of times it's, it's it's not you know what it really is so just in your own definition uh in your own journey um what what did you think it was and what do you feel it is now in my own journey um like you mentioned um before that when i was young um yes to, to people who looked at me, they saw a beautiful young girl and they would all, there will always be a, a, a compliment that would be turned into, no, she's not beautiful. Um, that's why I'm referring to the Cinderella story again. Um, and that alone, it actually made me believe that I'm not beautiful. It made me believe that I had to, apart from the physical appearance, um, that, that constant reminder that you are not beautiful, it means you are not beautiful inside and outside. Mm. It means you're just a mistake in life. 
Um, and for me, that it 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 made me slack at school. Um, I didn't have friends at school because I just felt that I didn't fit in. Um, I I was always at the back of the room. I would never. I will always question myself when I have to raise my hand to ask a question, um, because of um, that word, you know. Mm -hmm. And to me, beauty is not, you know, the way you actually look. It's the way you feel inside. Um, because the moment you feel that everything that comes out of you, um, everything that you speak, everything that if you walk into a room, that um, the inner beauty just radiates. You walk with your shoulders like your head held high um, and you just own every space that you walk in. For me, that is beauty. And I always say that, um, look at flowers. Flowers, they come in different forms and they're all beautiful in their own way in what they're producing. And you cannot say a yellow rose and a red rose, they're not beautiful. They're both beautiful in their own unique way. So for me, beauty is not about your physical appearance. It's not about your, the texture of your hair. It's not about the texture of your skin, but it's about how you feel inside. Mm. You feel you are beautiful. You are you are the smartest person, then you are the person. What you tell yourself is really who you are. So um, it's it also it starts from positive self-talk. Um, if you, if somebody, because if you look at, at, at a young girl, not a young girl, a toddler, if you look at a toddler, you realize how we compliment toddlers and how they 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 know they're beautiful at a very young age. But the moment they grow up, they associate themselves with um, other people mm. who will always try and find something negative to say. And sometimes it's not about your appearance, but it's about the little negative things, the criticism, um, the, the critiques, the um, the way you speak, all of that, it takes away the beauty of who you are as an individual. But the moment you ignore what everyone else say, you realize that that negativity will not break the person who you are. Because all of that, and also people that always um, try and criticize or who has something to say about somebody's appearance, it's not about you. It's about what they are going through within themselves. And it comes back from childhood trauma. Everything, the insecurities within them, they portrayed on someone else. So by me believing in their insecurities, I think that I lack that beauty. So that's what I try and teach my kids is that 
um, forget about what everyone else say. What do you say about yourself? How do you feel about yourself? When you look yourself in the mirror, what do you think? Do you think somebody else's opinion matters? Because nobody is going to see you through your eyes. They see you through their eyes. So they will, if, if I see, if I see ugly, I will only see ugly. It doesn't matter what you do. You will always be ugly. So to me, the word ugly in itself, like it doesn't, it, I always say, do not, if you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything at all. Um, you don't have to give me a compliment. Um, because if you feel the need of complimenting me and still adding a but, then it means it doesn't come from a pure heart. So beauty needs to come from within you as an individual and not from what other people think. Yeah, just to, just to add into one, um, just beauty. Uh, there's this quote that says, um, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And it kind of touches on exactly what you're talking about, like kind of seeing it within yourself and not looking on the outside for validation or understanding of what it is. So I think every time we do that, it kind of leads to, um, you know, low self-worth, low sense of self, low self-esteem, um, not mm -hmm. valuing yourself and all of that because, um, it's something that you have to see, not that somebody else has to explain for you. And I think that quote is perfect. Like beauty is in the eye of the beholder and you are the beholder and it should be in your eyes. And uh, there's actually, you know, for listeners, a really interesting Twilight Zone episode called Eye of the Beholder um, that really mm -hmm. tackles um, exactly what I'm talking about. And the dangers, I think, of um, allowing society to define, especially if you're Black, allowing society to define what beauty is for you. Because, um, you know, it, it's always going to have this white kind of um, definition and understanding. And I think that if we allow society as Black folks to define beauty for us, we're always going to be lost in, in terms of our self-esteem and self-worth because it's going to have a white definition because that's what it is. You know what I'm saying? So um, I think yeah. eye, beauty is in the eye of the beholder folks. Uh, definitely check out that episode if you've never seen it. Um, but yeah, super important, man. Um, and how do you, like, I know you mentioned a little bit, how do you yourself instill some of that into your daughters? Um, just all your experience that you've been through and then just instilling that um, idea of what beauty should be to them and, you know, their own self-worth. You know, for me, it's 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 important for my for my for my kids to know that um, they need to. I can guide them, I can guide them in any part of their lives, but they need to be able because they are at the age where they can make decisions for themselves, and I try and be open enough with them so that they do not live in the in the shadow of society where they have to adhere to the standards of society um so i need them to to i i always make sure that how they dress if they are comfortable with how they dress if they are comfortable whatever they want to do i make sure that do it but with a 
why am I doing it? Am I doing it because mom say I'm do I need to do it? Or am I doing it because I want to do it? Are you comfortable with doing it? Mm-hmm. Are you comfortable with how you wear your hair? Are you comfortable with how you how you dress when you walk out, when you go out? Are you comfortable the way you speak? Because the way you speak says a lot about you. You have to be able to, when you speak, because with, with beauty also comes with, if you speak with confidence and with love, that is beauty in its own. So if you, how you speak about yourself, how you speak to other people, how you respect other people, that is beauty in itself. So for me, it, it, I try and teach my kids to be very comfortable with who they are as individuals. Mm. Um, not as what I want. Yes, each and every parent has um, their plan for their kids. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it's their, it, it's my kids will have to make a decision of who they are and how they want to turn out because the decisions that they make now will end up later in their life affect themselves. I say the first 18 years of my life, I didn't choose to be where I was. I didn't choose to be the person that I turned out to be the first 18 years of my life. The second 18 years of my life, I learned, I made mistakes, I made choices that I look back and I take it as a lesson from what I went through. So now I'm at that stage where I'm like, now I know what it is that I want. I know the choices that I need to make. I Mm -hmm. know the choices. I know where I want to see myself. So I try and, and, and as a mother, as a single mother, it's very hard. Um, your kids will always pick up things um, from friends, will always pick up things from other families in how they need to be. But what I don't lose focus on is do not compare yourself to everyone else because the moment you compare yourself it means you are losing yourself you you are you don't know because all you're going to do is you're going to go with the flow of what other people think i how i should do things mm. um so that's what i try and teach my kids in terms of um not only beauty but self-love in terms of um confidence in terms of respect for self and respect for others, um, being kind to others, because all of these aspects, confidence, empathy, being kind, being kind with others, and all of that comes back to beauty. Right. All of that factors, it makes you beautiful. Just by being kind makes you beautiful. Just by being respectful, by having empathy, by your confidence that is not arrogant makes you beautiful to someone else, the eye of the beholder. That Mm -hmm. makes you beautiful to that person. That's why it's not about how you look. It's about how you, your character as an individual, how you carry yourself. If you carry yourself with arrogance, then that is not beauty. You can be the most beautiful person and come with all the beautiful, most beautiful words. But if you're arrogant and you don't understand 
that apart from you, there are other people, you will never be beautiful in somebody who can actually see beauty. And, and, and that's something that once you've, you've, it's like a tattoo that you don't want. Once you've put it on, you will have to work very hard in order to make somebody else see the beauty that is within you, which is also covered by um, insecurities and lack of confidence. Me trying to show that I am, um, that I'm actually confident with myself. Now I become this mean person that I think is beautiful. Um, a lot of people in the industry, you find that um, they are beautiful and they think their beauty is, 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 is carried. That insecurity, that lack of self-confidence, sometimes models who are beautiful, not only models, but you find a lot of beautiful women. They have that arrogance and that bullying mentality that they think it makes them beautiful. And it doesn't. It doesn't matter how you look externally. What comes from inside is actually what defines you. And that's what I try and teach my kids. Not to be mean, because that takes a lot from you. And you cannot recover because you've already created a tattoo. You've branded yourself. Everyone will see you in that way. So. What I teach my kids is to, to have so much self-love that it overflows, that they don't lack any love that's going to make them become um, the people that they're not. Mm. I only try to teach them that. It's up to them whether they want to drink from the, from, from the pond that I show them the way to. Um, but yeah. So that's that's what I can say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that I think that makes um, you know, a ton of sense, man. And um thinking about just beauty right now, like another component of it, especially for us black folks, is you know, the whole light skin, dark skin thing. And um I know you mentioned like uh, you know, being colored, um, which which is a, a, a racial demographic in South Africa. Like yeah. you have white folks, you have colored, and then you have um, black folks. And um, I know that just that within itself in South Africa creates a whole, you know, different dynamic of everything, like beauty, self-esteem, everything. Um, but uh, looking at it holistically, the whole light skin, dark skin thing, I know like now we're starting to see a lot more dark skin women being recognized for things and, um, yes being recognized for beauty and um, even Lupita um, comes to mind as one of those people that, you know, people are recognizing her as somebody who's beautiful that I don't think 10, 20, 30 years ago, that would have been the case. Um, is this something that we're just seeing like kind of in the States or um, in our part of the world, or is this something that's trans transgressing into, um, you know, Africa as well, where, you know, dark, darker skin, um, people are being recognized as beautiful and intelligent and um, capable um, now that it's, you know, becoming more, like we're seeing more, you know, darker skinned people um, on television and being recognized for certain things. So is that, is that just something that, you know, we're seeing in the States a little bit, like that's beginning to 
improve a slight bit or is it um that is is it still the case in um africa and south africa where you know lighter skin is is the whole goal or is that changing um it's 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 global it's mm -hmm. global um and it is changing um but from what i've observed in terms of um the darker skin um women is that they always have to work extra hard apart from being a black woman um being dark skinned just creates more it's it's because of the the the, the standard that has been set some women still dark skinned women still you know um it's it's kind of like you're sitting in the back of the room and mm -hmm. because of the standard has been set already you still ask yourself if i have to stand up and say i'm moving forward will i will will i be recognized for um the person that i am not for my skin color so mm -hmm. it's still very very um it's a very very um hard topic it's still um a very long road for 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 dark skin um women to to be accepted um and it's hard work for for from their side um but for me i believe that um if lighter skin women would stand up because I have to speak for a darker skinned person because of obviously we are not getting the same treatment. We are not getting the same opportunity. It's it's kind of like we are brainwashed in some way. Mm. Um, because even though we go through the same, we come we both come from um poor background, but if I have to be honest maybe it's because of i was a lighter skin that i managed to get into um apart from my hard work um but maybe because of my light skin i got opportunities that a darker skin person wouldn't have gotten mm. um and now i'm at the um I'm, I'm at the age where i have to speak up for for women that I know that low key, it's not shown that we are being, because of right now, it's like most of the time you find that we are promoting dark skin, but deep down is the same, like a white person will be seen, will be, will get priority. Low key, it won't mm. be done in my face, but a white person will get priority more priority than what i would get so the same goes for um me being colored and a black and a black woman um the 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 inequality even in the workplace it's still we still have a long way to overcome that but it starts with one woman standing up for another woman 
which that's the only way for us to to break that um that what you call it <clears throat> stigma that's the, that's the only way for us to break that um that stereotype right. you know of 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 um dark skin but also men men if you look at black men Black men will celebrate light-skinned women mm. and criticize dark-skinned women. Mm. As, as black people, we need to start standing up for each other. And that's one thing that we are not doing. Right. We don't stand up for each other. So, so I hope I answered your question. Yes, yes, yes. Um, it's still, I, I was figuring the same thing that it is still an issue. I know bleaching is still an issue. Like, and until things like that are done away with, then, you know, we still have an issue. If, you know, we have darker skinned women that's trying to bleach their skin to be lighter, to be seen as more beautiful and to get more opportunity, like you mentioned. So um, definitely um, still an issue. I hope it just continues to improve and um, we can be in a different place 20, 30, 40 years from now. Um, as far as that goes yeah um when it comes to the bleaching i mean you know if you have to ask a woman why why they decide to bleach their skin um you will find out that it's because of opportunities mm. it's because of um somebody low-key in a jokingly way told them that they are not um it's all about the numbers that needs to come in it's all about the money that needs to be made and dark skin does not make money mm. so the moment we as a people we start speaking positively about each other we will not sit with um a woman who's trying to change herself to look like someone else we will not sit with um issues where we still question because my skin color doesn't say doesn't define my intellect right. you know um so the moment we 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 start speaking openly about um how we actually negatively impact have an impact on people who change themselves to look like others it's it's we can we can we can go back and say we blame white people but amongst each other what do we do because we are our worst worst criti criticizers if that's a word yes <laughs> we are <laughs> we we are criticizing our own people more than what we can say about white people right and and that is um one of the truths that we need to we need to we need to talk about mm -hmm. as 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 women also we are not supportive of of each other we tend to compete with each other so we instead of mentioning 
other women's names in, in, in rooms, we tend to hold everything for ourselves, thinking that if a darker skin model will take up, if I see a client that is looking for a darker skin model, instead of taking that and referring it to a, to a model that I know she will be good for it, I rather ignore it and pretend like I didn't see it. Mm. So instead of mentioning each other's names in rooms that where we know they can deliver, we keep it to ourselves, mm. which is, it comes from a competition that we have amongst each other, which means who's got more power, who is more, I know very well that I am threatened by a darker skin model because they're unique, right? Mm -hmm. So now what do I do? I don't mention their names. I don't, I don't, in, I don't speak up for them because I think the only beauty that exists is the light skin beauty. Mm. So low key, if we, if we, if we honest with each, with each other as women, low key, we have that competition and we have kids, you know, um, and we don't want our kids to grow up with um, that, that mentality that I, I look better than this person because this person is dark skinned. And if you look at schools right now, you go to schools, kids think like that already. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that's what we need to break, that, um, that misunderstanding of um, who is more beautiful than the other. Agreed, agreed, um, definitely. And um, the work definitely needs to be done. And I think a lot of us don't do enough work with um, Black girls, like young Black girls, and really establishing that strong foundation of self-esteem for them, especially yes. the dark-skinned young Black girls. Um, and we need to do that work, man. It has to be done, man. If, we need to, if we're going to see the changes within, you know, Black adults and in the future, it has to start with the work with the kids. So definitely agree with that. Um, and speaking of that, um, let's say that we have a young listener that's listening in uh, that is interested in the um the field of modeling um and i feel like you know most most of us really don't know what it really entails other than taking pictures <laughs> you know what i mean so um you know you've been in the game for a minute um what what exactly does the uh like if you if i want to become a model um what exactly am i going to need to do like what exactly do i skills certain things that i need to have and what are some of my expectations like what should i expect um, from the field, like what are some realistic type of things to look into with that as opposed to thinking wishy-washy, like I'm going to be on the highest, you know, whatever platform for modeling and this and that and third, like what is a realistic take on what a model actually is and then the work that is entailed? Okay, first of all, um, if you want to become a model, you really need to ask yourself, why do you want to become a model? Um, there will be opportunities where if you have a unique look, you find yourself in a space where you get scouted. Um, obviously you get scouted because of the, because of your unique looks. If you get scouted, that is, that is an A plus for you. But if you don't get scouted, but you feel that you want to pursue a career in modeling, um, 
you really need to ask yourself why you want to do it. Just like any other career, you have to know why you want to do it. Because with modeling, it's not just about taking beautiful pictures, but it's knowing who you are and how confident you are with yourself so that whenever you are given a job, you know you're going to deliver. Um, then thirdly, you have to do your research. Um, and Google, Google is your is your bread and butter. Mm -hmm. Google is where you will get all your information. Um, you have to know what kind of modeling you want to go into because there's different types of modeling. There is commercial, there is fashion, there's editorial, there's beauty, there is um, boudoir, there is photography modeling, there is all kinds of modeling. Mm -hmm. But it's up to why you want to model it and which um, avenue of modeling you want to get into. Um, so it's doing your research and it doesn't stop there. You can sign up with an agency, but signing up with an agency just means that you are being represented by a official um, agency that when a client book you for a job, they know that you are a professional and you will not, um, you know, you will not quit on a job without following the, the right channels. So make sure that whichever company you, whichever company you, you, you sign up with, they are an accredited agency, mm -hmm. which means you are not paying a fee upfront when you sign up when you sign up with an with an agency um the moment you sign up with an agency if a person asks you to pay a certain fee it means they are just fraudsters they're not going to get you the job that you need mm. um you once you got into an agency before you even get jobs you will have to go to castings castings and auditions um and it won't be at your first casting if you if you if you if that's what the client look for you might be lucky enough to get the job but it will take so for every job that you have to book you will have to go to castings you will have to put in the work you have to look after yourself you have to exercise you have to eat well because your face your body is your money so mm. if you if if you don't take care of how you look, you can be signed with an agency and you will just be a number on their books. You will never book a job. You will go to castings unless the 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 the, the clients say this is the look that I'm going for. The agency will send you the brief in terms of what the client is looking for. Right. So the work just never stops. Um, modeling is not just, um, some people tend to think it's just a, a fancy, um, hobby that you do. It's not, it's a profession. You need to take it seriously in order for you to make, to make money for you. You have to take it seriously. It's a profession. Um, yes, there are 
other agencies that offer workshops and you can become certified in a certain skill in the modeling industry but it's a constant learning and you learn so much about yourself so that's all i can say in terms of um how you can get into modeling and what it takes to really um become successful mm. um and one of the last things is just being authentic be you don't come into the industry and say i want to be like this model yes there can be a guideline but if you are not authentic in terms of who you are then you are in the wrong industry you'll definitely be in the wrong industry so it's more than beauty to become a model mm. it's work hard work that makes sense that makes a ton of sense man um i find another thing too with uh with modeling like uh just like any other profession like there's certain things that you know people might ask you to go out of you know your way to do like to make it to a high level um mm -hmm. so if i'm like just starting out like i might want to you know just be on the top level asap and somebody might say well if you do this you'll climb up or whatever it is so as a young person coming up like how do i how do i maneuver through like what is a good gig what's not a good gig what's a good job what is appropriate for me to like to wear like um how much do i want to show in regards to my body and things like that like how do you maneuver through all of that okay first of all um you know like any other job when you go for an interview um there is um a job spec that will give you the requirements what the job requires um and you need to have um your skills, your experience, your qualifications, whatever you need. But with modeling, it's if you have to sign with an agency, they will give you all the details in terms of if you're going to be a fashion model. Um, if you go for casting, they will tell you, as a guy, you need to make sure that you wear um, black pants, black shirt, black t-shirt, um black shoes um because i don't know black portrays your physique in the way that the client needs to see it um if how you you want you need to know what kind of modeling you want to go into because somebody a client or your agent will think that you fit the specific brief but you feel that you are uncomfortable with it you need to be able to say yes i'm going to do this or no don't just do it for the sake of money because desperation is going to lead you doing things that you feel very uncomfortable and if you're uncomfortable it shows in your work it it shows that you are not you are not there because you want to do it you're doing it because of somebody said you must do it of which is wrong so do not do yourself injustice because of you want to become the next face of a certain brand now you're doing things that you feel very uncomfortable with you need to know what are you comfortable with and what are you uncomfortable with make a decision um it's it's if it, 
the one thing about this industry is before you sign that contract, you can walk away. So once you once you tell the client that this is what I'm going to give you, it means you have to deliver. You have to give the client what you signed for. Um, you cannot change your mind and say, but no, this is not what I agreed on. So for every job that you do, you will get a release form to say that this is what I'm signing. I'm going to do a nude um, photo shoot because I am agreeing to it. Where you put your face, it needs to align with the brand that you've created for yourself. Um, if, if, if say, um, a brand that I feel very uncomfortable with wants to work with me, obviously I'm not going to take it because at the end of the day, if I'm taking it, my face will become the brand of that brand and that will be branded, that will be me. Mm. of which I will have to. And, and the thing is with modeling is anything you put out there, it's out there forever. With the internet right now, it's out there forever. So even if you do your personal projects, you need to make sure that your personal projects align to who you are and what your brand stands for as an individual. So do not, do not, do things out of desperation mm-hmm. because if you do things out of desperation, you end, you're going to end up finding yourself in a position that you didn't feel comfortable in. That so, makes... Yes, sir. <laughs> um, that makes a ton of sense, man. It definitely makes a ton of sense. Um, just being comfortable in your own skin. Super important. Yeah. Another component of modeling too, um, that I actually found out about later on. I didn't even know like there was a such thing as a plus size model or anything like that. Like, I thought models were just models. So what like what exactly is a, a plus size model and why why does like you know why does it exist? Like why can't a model just be a model? Like why do they have to be identified in that category? Did I lose you? Did, did you lost me? Um no, I lost you for a second. Um I'm going to go back and I'll ask the question again. Okay. All right. Um, Another component of, uh, you know, just the modeling industry that I recently discovered is that there is this whole thing called a plus size model. And when I I learned about it, I'm like, why can't a model just be a model? Like, why is this, this category of plus size model? Like, why not just have just a model who's different, who's just a regular model, you know? So, um, what exactly is a plus size model? Is it like a certain weight that, you know, you have to be or fit in? Um, and then in your view, like, why does it exist in the, in the field? Um, okay. First of all, um, fashion modeling, it's more like your size twos, um, your size zero to size twos. But yeah, your tiny ways. But what I've learned is that designers create clothes that needs to be atized. And the reason why they don't use a specific size is because we don't want to see a model is, first of all, the definition of being a model is 
you are a subject that's used for advertising, like a mannequin. So a mannequin is also a model because it showcases the designer's clothes. Um, for beauty, my face is used to showcase the makeup, to showcase um, the jewelry. Um, my nails are used to showcase the manicure, whatever I'm doing. So as a model, you are a subject, which makes sense for me when a model showcase a garment, that garment needs to be seen, not my figure, not how beautiful that garment look at me. But then there is a client, when they look at a garment, they say, but how will it look on me? And that's where plus size models come in. Plus size models, um, um, models that are your average si woman size, your average person size. So it starts from there, where you can see how a garment will fit on a person. Um, that is my own understanding of being a plus size model. So plus size model is your models from um, your size, your size 34, 36 upwards. Um, below 34 is your normal, normal size models. I know people tend to say, but I am not a plus size model, but in the fashion industry, I'm a plus size model because the garments are made to showcase the garment, not the body of the person who's wearing the garment. Mm. I hope I'm making sense. It does make sense. I don't agree with it particularly, but um, I understand what you're saying, though. I understand what you're saying. Yes. Mm. So it, it's, um, I just, for me, it makes sense in terms of you, you, you need to see the product for what the product is, mm -hmm. right? Before you use it. Then once you use it, that's when you will see how the product will be once you use it. Got it, got it, got it. Um, I know like with you, uh, you have done just a lot just in the industry, you know, so far, um, you know, you did the Afri Africa Fashion International. Um, you've done a lot of corporate work. You've done a lot of designer work and everything. Um, so looking back, you know, what are some of your, your experiences that you smile at? And, um, you know, like, just walk us through some of uh, some of the stuff that you've been a part of and what it's been like and um just that you know the, that that journey you know um to be honest with you um my 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 proudest moment was walking at the AFI because of my height and me being um older me being a plus size model, I actually, for me, fashion runway was, was never my goal. Um, and when I got chosen to be part of um, um, five ladies to walk for um, Rich Factory, um, it's a designer who um, um, design more like African um, garments. 
when I was chosen to be part of um, that to showcase that beauty come in different forms and um, at different ages, it doesn't matter who you are, um, you're still beautiful. For me, that was the highlight. I wasn't just doing runway for, um, for, for, for the sake of um, the designer, but it was more about the different kind of women that um, we represented. So that was the highlight of my, of, of my modeling career. And then afterwards um, came um, where I did a job for um, Redison Hotel. Um, it's a new hotel that was launched last year. And just seeing my face on the screen and seeing my pictures. Yes, I've done it before, but this was more like, wow, that is really me. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like a big, so, a big billboard, like they had a big billboard? No. Or in um, front of the hotel? hotel they had it, um, no, they had it on, on their screens. Um, they used my picture on their screens and that for me on 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 they use my picture on their um their cards so i don't know for how long it was but that that moment was they still they still put my face on on their social media but it it's for me that was like still a you know goosebump moment because mm. it's you know, for me, it's like something that I didn't with COVID and, you know, not getting jobs. For me, it was like, finally, something big is coming. Mm. So, so those were two of um, the highlights of, of, of my modeling. Um, you know, yes, I'm still... I'm still wishing and hoping to work with brands that can actually utilize my face um, and the story that the face comes with, um, you know. So that is still my my dream and my goal, to be on a billboard there on the road and mm. just drive past it and say, yeah, that is me. <laughs> <laughs> it will happen, man. It will happen. Yes. It will happen for sure, man. Um, another, like, just thinking about that, I'm thinking about too, like, um, like day of a photo shoot or a big time thing like that. Like, what, like, are we talking about? You just go in, you take a few pictures, and we're in and out in an hour, and put put everything in, or is it actually like a time consuming nine to five type of process? And if it is, like, what does that look like? It's, it's, it's time consuming because first of all, you have to prepare yourself like few days in advance. Mentally, you have to get a, um, a brief from the client, um, a mood board in terms of what they expect you to deliver. You will get a brief, a call time to say that you need to be on set at this time. Sometimes you have to be on set very, very early because they start with makeup. Makeup can take about an hour depending on how good the makeup artist is. Then it depends on how many outfit changes it takes, um, the setup of, of, of the photographer. Um, so 
it can literally take up to a whole day depending on um the whole team that is mm. there so um i normally tell um models that when they go for a photo shoot they need to make sure that they are mentally ready for a whole day's work and a whole day of standing um because you when you walk out of a photo shoot you'd swear that you were doing a five kilometer run <laughs> that's how tired you will be wow and you, you always have to make sure that you carry with yourself snacks water so that even though sometimes the client do offer food and all that but you need to know what's good for your own system you know um make sure that before the shoot you have enough rest because you do not want to appear tired on the day so um it takes a lot of practice you know it takes a lot of discipline um so you have to make sure that you are 100% in it if you want to pursue um a career in modeling it looks like is just taking two beautiful pictures no it does it's not because for every picture that you take you'll probably feel that okay i could have done this this could be could have been done but if the client is not happy with the first look it's going to be the second look it's going to be the third look so it's all about what you deliver for the client if the client is not happy you're going to be there till forever <laughs> so you practice all the time make sure you practice all the time you practice your facial expressions your poses um you get yourself um you know take as much pictures of yourself and look at your pictures and you know look at what can you work on to make sure that on the day of the shoot you on the day of the shoot you do not um miss out you do not feel like you are not delivering as much as the client wants because there's different kinds of photo shoots it's lifestyle photo shoot where you will be on set where it's not in studio where it's um location where you will be moving from one point to the other which it's it's tiring doing that so you have to make sure that you are mentally ready and the nice part about about preparing for a shoot is rest 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 you rest as much as you can so that on the day of the photo shoot you are fresh and you can give 110% so that you can book the same client again because the client look at what you delivering and they say i want to work with that person again because of they were full of life because they were energetic because they delivered mm. they didn't complain they didn't um feel that you know we are being used and it's you creating that relationship with the client even though it's you on the job delivering but you create a relationship with that client so that who knows they book you again for another shoot that makes sense that makes sense yes, sir. all right um i wanted to get into a quick activity here uh, called what's your favorite mm -hmm. identifying a few of your favorite things um mm -hmm. So, um, what is your favorite model pose? My favorite model pose is the power pose. 
Ah, hands on the waist. Yes, sir. Mm. Um, that pose is it. It like takes over everything in the room. So yeah. Got it. Got it. Got it. Um, what is your favorite? hobby outside of mantra um my favorite hobby outside i don't hobby <laughs> <laughs> i'm kidding um i to be honest with you because of i'm busy all the time with my nine to five work and um the modeling and um charity um stuff that i do i I tend to just take time out and just laze around, watch series or read a book. Um, because I don't know whether running is a is a hobby, but yes, it is. Yes, it is. I I try to to put in my five kilometers um, over weekends, um, and you know, trying to be as fit as possible. Mm-hmm. So, but. I I really try to rest a lot when I'm not working because with 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 modeling comes you are being in the in the entertainment industry so you 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 are being you always out and about so it becomes draining so what I do is I rather you know just take time out and watch a series or read a book or exercise, that's what I do got outside it. of got it, got it, got it. Running is a hobby. Running is a hobby. Um, what is your favorite thing to I know you you like to cook. What is your favorite thing to cook and your favorite food? Um, my favorite food was dumpling. Dumplings. Um, yeah, dumplings. Um, so I until I was like, nah, I think now I need to, you know, move up in this world. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, um, I like um, making biryani. Um, this is a South African dish, biryani? Biryani is more like an Indian dish. Hmm. It's like, do you know, it's, it's similar to jollof, you know? Jollof? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's similar to jollof. Um, so I now I like um, biryani more hmm. than because yeah I make it more. <laughs> Put that on the list, man. Yes. Um, it's it's you can you can have a vegetable biryani, lamb biryani, um, uh, lamb curry, beef, chicken. So it's more like um, jollof where you take the meat, put it in the rice. And you mix it with all the spices and mm. smells so good. It's like it's a one, it's it's like a one cooked pot of food that you don't have to, but it's amazing. <laughs> nah, it sounds good, man. You have to taste it. Yes, yes. Then hopefully they have, have a, a hopefully they have a vegetarian version of that. Yeah. Yes, they <laughs> yeah. Yes. There is a vegetarian version. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna look that up, man. Briani, Briani. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, what is your favorite thing about South Africa? 
My favorite thing about South Africa is the diverse cultures, the people, um, um, the the tradition. Um, the South Africa just have beautiful, um, beautiful places like that you can explore. Like, yeah, for me, it's um, the diversity and the people. Um, we just love people mm. and we just make everybody feel at home. And um, that's, that's what I love about our country. Got it. Got it. Got it. I'm still bumping to the music too, man. Jerusalem, man. Still listening. Still listening. No way. No, way. Still... <laughs> no, no. You need to move out of Jerusalem. I can't help it, man. I still listen to that no, song. You need to, you need to, you need to move out of Jerusalem and I need to, I need to give you more music. <laughs> oh, man. Um, what, uh, we'll, we'll leave off on um, your favorite part of being a mother. My favorite part of being a mother. Is there really a favorite part? <laughs> <laughs> it is a tough job, man. You know um, for me, it's, it's, you know, you know, like after a hectic day, even it doesn't matter like what issues you had with the kids um, because now they are now they are now teenagers and they can speak for themselves but it's watching them sleep and you wake up in the middle of the night and you see your kids are safe and sound with you um, especially after what I've been through um, and having to fight for them to be with me um, and looking at how peaceful they are when they sleep mm. and thinking that I'm actually at my happiest when my kids are with me. Um, when they're with me, I don't worry about anything um, because I know this is where, where joy is for me. Mm. And also, it's something that I haven't experienced with, with my mother. So just looking at how my kids turn out, how, um, you know, the young ladies that they, they turn out to be, um, it means I've done, I've done a good job, you know, um, how they carry themselves. And yes, my job is not done, but um, just looking at them and saying, wow, these are my kids, you know, mm-hmm. for me, that is, that is just the best moments for me. Yeah, that is, um, that is amazing to hear, man. Um, nothing like being a mother. Um, all right, getting back into just, uh, just, you know, your, your, your career. So mm-hmm. 30, 40, 50 years down the line, when you decide to retire from the industry, from modeling, um, and you looking behind and you see your work, your body of work mm-hmm. and your legacy and just what people know to be, this is Constance. What do you want to leave behind? So people know like this is who Constance was. This is what she was about um, when it comes to the work that you do. You know, for me, like I said earlier on, I hope one day I would work with brands that can use my face, but not only the face but the story that the face comes with um 
I believe that in me, every story of my life, there is someone out there that has that is going through what I went through and what I've what what I've overcame. And if someone can look at my work with a story behind it to say that you know what um this picture reminds me of a woman who you know overcame all challenges that was um put in front of her she believed that she can be more than what she was told she can be she overcame abuse she overcame um poverty, she overcame um, every challenge that was in front of her. Um, so it shouldn't just be a beautiful picture, um, but it should be work that tells a story. You know, for every time someone looks at my picture, um, they learn something from it. So that's what I want um, people to remember me with. It's that no matter the odds against me, I can still, you know, pursue whatever I want to pursue. I can still become the woman that I want to become, not the woman that um, other people think I should become. Mm. And not losing yourself within um, where you are, because I could have lost myself very easily every path of, of, of my way, but I decided to rise above all of it and not feel sorry for myself, but instead to um, do something about it. So, yes, sir. <laughs> it's so funny to hear people stealing my, um, I got to get that, like, uh, you know, um, I got to do something with that so people don't use it. Oh <laughs> <Yes. laughs> uh, man um but nah i already i already see exactly what you're talking about you know because i know your story and everything that you've been through so i've see i see everything that you're, you're talking about man and um you know i hope that people see it as well you know as they get to know who you are and it's not just like this is just a model and that 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 represents this but just your character and who you are as well i think it's super important so um definitely agree with that and um yeah, like it's it's been a very good learning experience, man. Just having you on and um, some of the things you mentioned, I didn't even know about modeling, man. But uh, mm -hmm. thank you for sharing your story with us, man. It's not an easy one to tell. So thank you for being open with us. And just, I, I know like somebody listening in is definitely gonna get a lot from listening to, you know, some of the things that you've been through and you've been able to overcome and rise mm -hmm. above man and it's super important because sometimes we think that we're the only ones that's going through some of these things but there's so many people out there that that have that you know these things happening and with with like right now that think they're alone and nobody has been through it and um i think it's super important like shows like this where they can listen to a story like yours and identify mm -hmm. with it and be able to grow from it you know what i mean grow from mm -hmm. this situation so Thank you so much for that, Constance, and being open and honest it's with us. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Yes, sir. <laughs> oh, man, all right. Um, can you leave us with your favorite quote and what it means to you? Um, 
I I am such a uh, philosophical person, so I have quite a few, but um, the one that I grew up with, um, I grew up with um, nothing is impossible. I am possible um, because that was a constant reminder of where I was in my life when I was young. And I had to, I had to find motivation um, in myself because I had to encourage myself um, to, to get out of where I was. Mm. So for every challenge that I have, I always told myself that nothing is impossible. Um, and my, my current one is be intentional with your moves. Mm. Mediocrity doesn't suit you at all. Mm. Um, wherever you go in life, whatever you do in life, be intentional about it. Um, if you create work, make sure that the work that you put out leave an impression. Don't put out subpar work. Don't, don't show subpar work. If you walk into a room, make sure that whoever is in that room can feel your presence by being intentional. Yes, you can learn from it, but always make sure that you are above the mediocrity that has been put in front of you. You do not settle for anything less than who you need to be. So that is my new quote. Be man. intentional with your moves. So many gems right there, man. So many gems. Yo, you got to write a book, man. You have to write a book. <laughs> <laughs> for real, man. Yes, sir. Definitely. Um, yeah, we've been talking about that. Um, yes. So, yeah, I have to. To be continued. Next step, next the next program that you are in or mastermind, you're gonna be coming through as an author. <laughs> definitely, go, definitely. Yeah, we will go through your book. Yeah. Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think um I always tell people, man, like when you have like a powerful story, man, you don't want anybody else to kind of tell it because they're not gonna tell it in the way that you know it it needs to be told, like by you. So I think that's the yeah. power when you have a story like your story of documenting it and putting it down on paper mm -hmm. so that it doesn't get changed up or switched up and why, you know, you know, um, and it, it is authentic to you. So definitely looking forward to the Constance, the book of Constance. Um, so uh, I know there are many people wondering uh, where they can find you, where they can find your work, um, where they can contact you, uh, where they can ask for some advice if they're interested in modeling or um, the uh, fashion industry or anything like that. So where can people find Constance? Where they can book me for jobs? <laughs> <laughs> um, you can find Constance on Instagram. It's Constance Sal. Um, on Twitter, it's Constance Sal. On Facebook, it's Constance Sal. Um, I'm working on my on my TikTok handle. It's also Constant Sal. I'm working on my YouTube. Everywhere it's Constant Sal. You Google Constant Sal, you'll be able to see um, my work. Um, you'll find me on all social media platforms. You want to ask me um, anything related to 
um, what we've spoken about on, on Mastermind, um, you can email me at C-O-N-N-I-E-S-A-L 45 at gmail.com. It's connysal45 at gmail.com. Um, you can email me if you want to book me. I can send you my rate cards and you can book me for fashion shoots, uh, beauty shoots, makeup artists who want to work with me. You can work with me. I've got the perfect face for your friend. <laughs> got it, got it, got it. And Saul, <laughs> Saul is S-A-A-L, by the way, not S-A-L, S-A-A-L, two, two A's. A-A-L. Two A's, two A's. All right. Um, man, it has been a good time. Uh, thank you so much again, Constance, for coming through, giving us some some honesty um, and some words of wisdom. Uh, we appreciate having yes, you sir. on. <laughs> um, we appreciate having you on. And uh, listeners, definitely share the program. Um, this is not just about being a model, but just about identifying beauty and self-esteem, self-worth. This is just something I think everybody can learn from. So share the program. And as always, remember, your mind is the most powerful tool in the universe. Therefore, if you can think it, you can do it. If you believe in it, you can be it. And if you fight for it, you can have it. The world is yours. This has been your host, Mr. G. And I will see you next time on Mastermind.